In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a smoking hot, open, sleeveless, button-down shirt, being a victim of weather stereotyping, and how much we like, like this book in our discussion of Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss <laughs> Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Yes! <laughs> Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book... Where the hell have you been? <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> Please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened or watched the movies and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book or watch the movie, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show, or Twilight so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. (laughs) Right. Just listen it's happening just give me some background info so we can get straight into it I, i'm not Good. even i'm not Good. beating about the bush no i'm not beating about the, the push baby the push baby okay so i read on a website cynthia com. they asked stephanie meyer all the way back when these books were coming out What was your initial inspiration for writing Twilight? And the response is, Twilight was inspired by a dream. It was such a great dream that I didn't want to forget it. So I sat down at the computer and wrote it down. I wrote 10 pages that first day. Those 10 pages are now chapter 13, Confessions and the True Heart of the Novel. Once I'd written everything that I'd dreamed, I was eager to know more about what would happen to these intriguing characters. So I kept typing, letting the story go where it wanted to go. It's a miracle that the book makes any sense. (sighs) I had no organization whatsoever. (laughs) You know, if it was a Nemo Nimo, Remo Rimo book, I would not be surprised. Mm. I don't think it was. It was a fever dream. Yeah. Is that the same thing? It could be, depending <laughs> on which month you have the fever yes. dream. We if it's November. Down. <laughs> it's November, it's <laughs> Nemo, 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 Nemo. <laughs> oh. Do we have oh. any coherent initial thoughts, or is it just us no. giggling like teenagers and getting very excited? Yep, that's what it is. It's just sounds. All the sounds. <laughs> 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 I would also like to point out how sparkly you're looking today. It's delightful. Oh, yes. Thank you. I had to put on my glitter. I had to put on my glitter. Let me get really close to the camera since, you know, everyone can watch this this time. Ooh. Check that out. You can see it really well on that cheek. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm glitter. I'm covered in glitter. I'm made of glitter. Like diamonds embedded in your skin. It is. This is the skin of a killer, Claire. 
Jesus, and it hasn't even started yet. Are you ready? Isabella, Bella, Swan, moves from beautifully bright and sunny Phoenix, Arizona, to live in cold, drizzly Forks, Washington, with her father, smoking hot Billy Burke. I mean, (laughs) police chief Charlie Swan, after her mother, Renee, gets married to baseball player Phil. Bella hasn't spent much time in Forks for several years, but now she's here to stay. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is trying to make things nice for his daughter and has bought her an old, old truck from his friend Billy Black and has cleaned out half of the bathroom for her in his two-bedroom house. Aww. <laughs> Bella drives herself to school the next day and finds she's not very different looking than all the others around her. She's not super tanned and blonde like she thinks everyone else in Phoenix should look but is instead so pale she's see-through like every other sopping wet Washingtonian. She meets overachieving Eric, who takes her to her first class, then goes through more classes barely remembering anyone's name or paying attention to anything, until she gets to lunch. That's where she sees... them. (gasps) They are the startlingly beautiful Hales and Cullens, the foster children of Dr. Carlisle Cullen and Esme Cullen. Twins, Rosalie and Jasper Hale, are honey-blonde, pale, and gorgeous, and are somehow related to Esme. Big, burly Emmett, tiny pixie Alice, and chestnut-haired Edward Cullen are not siblings, but they've all been adopted by Dr. and Mrs. Cullen because she distastefully can't have children of her own. (gasps) They all wastefully leave lunch, throwing away their perfectly uneaten food. Bella's new friend, Jessica, tells her not to waste her time with the Cullens and Hales because no one is good enough for them, except each other, because they're all dating. Except for Edward. Bella goes to her next class and finds the only empty seat is next to Edward, who stiffens up and sits rigidly, like an angry rock who smells something terrible when she joins him at his table. (laughs) A discreet hair sniff tells her she smells just fine. It's not your hair, Bella. It's your pick. It's not your hair. (laughs) Edward sits literally unmoving for the entire class period and then dashes liquidly away when the bell rings. Another new friend, Mike, accompanies Bella to her next class and comments on how weird Edward is. It's very nice. So nice. They're so kind. Everyone at this school is so kind. (laughs) After the rest of her classes, Bella goes to the school office to turn in a slip signed by all her teachers. While she's in there, she finds Edward sexily trying to switch his class with her to any other one, but... The secretary is unmoved by his sexiness and turns him away. Before he leaves, someone else enters the office, making Bella's non-gross-smelling hair whoosh around. Edward angrily, yet sexily, leaves the office. (laughs) How many people do you think we have turned off so far from this summary? Because they were like, yeah, it's going to be serious. Fictional Hangover is always so serious, and they're so good at writing summaries. Who? Who? I can't believe I said that. All Fictional Hangover listeners (laughs) thinks we write serious summaries. 
<laughs> I can't believe I said it out loud. <laughs> Bella goes grocery shopping after school because smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie doesn't know how to cook and she makes dinner for them. They have some small talk about her first day went and about the other students. She mentions the Cullens and smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie immediately goes on the defensive. He really respects handsome Dr Cullen and his wife and that they are raising so many teenagers. He says that the others in town treat them differently because they are different but he likes them. The next week at school, Mike follows Bella around like a dog and talks about an upcoming beach trip, and Edward is nowhere to be found. Bella thinks that he dropped out to avoid her, but then he comes back a week later and is perfectly cordial. In biology, their shared class, they quickly work through identifying cell phases, and then Edward asks Bella a million questions. They talk about her family and why she moved to Forks, and then she realizes suddenly that his eyes are a different color than the last time when she saw him. Ochre. Instead of black. And then he becomes rigid again. The next day is icy and Bella clumsily slips and slides to her truck, which is chains on the tyres, thanks to smoking hot Billy Burke, Charlie. <laughs> and so she drives safely to school. When she arrives, standing by her truck, she stares at Edward, who is a few cars away in the parking lot. Then all of a sudden, a van slides across the ice right towards Bella. Before she knows what's happening, Edward is there, pushing her out of the way, stopping the van from hitting her with brute force and strength. He pleads with her with his golden eyes and his words that he was standing next to her the entire time and that he did not physically move any vehicles to keep her safe. Stairs, stairs, stairs. She doesn't believe in you. Nope. Soon enough, an ambulance arrives and takes Bella to the hospital. Strikingly handsome Dr. Cullen checks her out and decides that she's well enough to go home and that she was lucky that Edward was standing right there with her next to her the entire time and not three cars away. So obviously he is in on Edward's strong secret, too. Bella sees Edward and asks him for the truth about what happened, but he gaslights her that she just hit her head and is confused, though she knows she's not. He refuses to tell her the truth and tells her she's just going to have to be disappointed. A month or so passes and Edward frostily ignores Bella, except to tell her they shouldn't be friends. A school dance is approaching and all the guys want Bella to go with them, but she's a terrible dancer, so she decides she's going to Seattle the day of the dance instead. Edward overhears this excuse and asks her if she wants to go with him to Seattle that day because he doesn't think her truck can make it there safely or on, you know, one tank of gas. Can I just tell everyone, this is a four-hour one-way drive with potentially a ferry ride, depending on which way you go. This is a long, long drive. I just need to put that, I just need to throw that out there. Because it seems like in the book, like, I'm just going to go to Seattle for the day. Like, no, man. That's a long drive. You're not just going to go to Seattle for the day and then turn around and drive back. That's eight hours of your day. Factball. Go on. Bella is confused because Edward, (laughs) with his golden eyes, has ignored her for weeks. But now he wants to drive in a car with her for eight hours? We know it's eight hours because, you know, Amanda has graciously, you know, told us that from previous experience. I did the math. I did the math. 
She says he's confusing and that she thought he didn't want to be friends. He clarifies that they shouldn't be friends, not that he doesn't want to be friends. <sighs> so confusing. <laughs> Edward invites Bella to sit with him at lunch after that and says that he's going to hell anyway, so he might as well do it thoroughly, whatever that means. Edward continues being cryptic about them not needing to be friends, but that he wants to be, but that he doesn't, and Bella doesn't get it, which is not at all shocking. Confused, she says she's trying to figure out what he is. So talk turns to radioactive spiders. This scene is almost exactly like the movie, even with the, what if I'm the bad guy, line. Except that Edward doesn't drop kick an apple and hold it awkwardly. <laughs> you gotta get the book cover in. I mean, you don't. You really don't. Bella, please don't drop kick apples. <laughs> I will drop kick this apple and show you my dexterity, <laughs> which will just add to all the questions about radioactive spiders. <laughs> Bella realises that they're the only ones left in the cafeteria and that they're going to be late for their biology class. But Edward is skipping today. Bella goes to class and gets queasy when she realises that they're learning their blood types, which involves pricking fingers and blood all over the place. Bella nearly faints, so Mike takes her to the nurse's office. As they're on their way, Edward sweeps in and carries Bella the rest of the way. He convinces the nurse that she needs to go home for the rest of the day, so he takes her. On their way to Bella's, they talk about family stuff, like her mom and Phil and how he and his siblings were adopted. Bella invites Edward on the beach trip, which is that weekend, and he says that he's going camping with Emmett and that her friends wouldn't have invited him anyway. When their trip time comes, Bella meets up with Mike and all the rest of their friends at the sporting goods store Mike's family owns, and they head to First Beach at La Push. <laughs> La Push, baby. It's La Push. <laughs> <laughs> While they're there, some teens from the Quileute Reservation, which is where La Push is located, come by. One of Bella's friends snarkily says how sad it is that no one invited Edward, and one of the Quileute guys says... The Cullens don't come here. <laughs> Puzzling. <laughs> Another of the boys seems to recognize Bella, so he comes over to chat with her and introduces himself as Jacob Black, son of Billy Black, former owner of Bella's old, old truck. Bella and Jacob go for a walk around the beach, and Bella flirtily asks what the other guy meant when he said, The Cullens don't come here. Jacob tells an ancient <laughs> tale about his tribe descending from wolves and how the cold ones are their natural enemies on account of how they're always slaughtering everyone. It just so happens that the Cullens are cold ones, a.k.a. vampires! Except Bella doesn't know that yet. Jacob says that the Cullens, if you are to believe the tales, are different from other cold ones and so they have a semi-peaceful relationship with the Quillet tribe in that the Cullens don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> After Bella learns this story and the beach trip ends, she goes back home, turns on her early 2000s computer, and dials up her internet to read about vampires. Please Google this if you don't understand to our younger audience. 
There's a couple of things that our younger audience is going to have to Google. (laughs) Her search isn't very fruitful because, you know, vampires are creepy. They can't come out in the daylight and they sleep in coffins and stuff. (sighs) Not very reliable sources. She does find a few details from some unique types of vampires she's never heard of that kind of resemble the Cullens, though, like shifting eye color, cold skin, super strength and speed. But really, really, are they vampires? Bella decides that she just doesn't care one way or the other, but at least she has another theory other than being bitten by a spider that she can maybe talk to Edward about at school the next day. Except he's not there. Or the day after that either. Nightmare man. Bella's pretty bummed about it. You know, Edward's skipping school. But the weather is very nice and sunny, so at least there's that. Jessica and Angela invite Bella to go with them to Port Angeles to pick out dresses for the dance that Bella is expertly avoiding with her eight-hour trip to Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) While her friends are trying on dresses, Bella nervously asks Angela if the Cullens often miss school a lot, and she says yes, especially when it's nice outside. So at least Edward's not like, you know, avoiding her or anything. That worry resolved and her friend's dress is bought, Bella decides to skip out on a walk to the bay before dinner and goes to a bookstore by herself. I'm with you, Bella. We're all with you. But she doesn't like the look of the Dreamcatchers, Crystals or the hippie running the shop, so, you know, moves on. After not finding another bookstore, Bella tries to walk back to the bay and to her friends, but she is followed by street toughs, <laughs> making her panic. No, she just not keeps ruffians. panicking. She just she just keeps panicking and making wrong turns, which leads to a dead end and being surrounded by the street toughs. Luckily, as she's trying to remember how to punch someone's nose into their brain, Edward power slides up in his car, forces Bella inside, and speeds away. He asks Bella to talk about nothing to distract him from going back to kill the street toughs for what they were thinking. Wait. What? Yikes. What they were thinking. Murdering. Hold on a second. Edward drives them to the restaurant where Bella was supposed to meet Jessica and Angela, but she missed their dinner time because she was accosted by the street toughs. (laughs) Since Jessica and Angela ate dinner without Bella, which, you know, sort of being worried about her and her whereabouts in the strange town. (laughs) Hmm... Edward offers to take her inside to eat, so they enter the restaurant and Jessica and Angela leave. Edward doesn't pay any attention to the hostess and the waitress as they constantly fling themselves at him, but insists that Bella order food and drink several glasses of soda, so she does. He's still thinking about going after the street toughs, and Bella comments about him typically being nicer when his eyes are golden butterscotch ochre like they are now, and that he's crabby when his eyes are black. He's shocked that she realises this, and she reveals that she's got some new theories about him, but she's got some conditions she's got to meet and questions to ask before she'll talk about them. Mm. Bella asks how Edward knew where she was and what he was doing in Port Angeles, which is when he reveals to her that he can read minds. 
but not hers for some reason, and that those street toughs were thinking some bad thoughts. How did he know where she was, though? By listening to literally everyone's mind all the time to track her, and also by following her scent. That's totally fine and not at all creepy. Talk then changes to him almost killing her that first day in biology, which would have been bad, and how he wants to kill the street toughs, but he's not going to. Then Edward takes Bella home. On the hour drive back to Forks, which takes less than half that time because he literally drives 100 miles per hour, Edward talks about how he can't read Bella's mind, and then Bella thinks it's because she's the freak, but like... Edward is super strong, ice cold, non eating, sun avoiding mind reader. <laughs> Speaking of all that, Edward finally gets Bella to tell him her new theory about what he is, a vampire, and how she came up with it, flirting with Jacob and dial up internet. She's <laughs> right, of course, about Edward being a vampire, which makes him mad, not because she found out, but because she's not at all afraid of him. I'm a monster. (laughs) This is the skin of a killer, Bella. It's coming! It's coming! (laughs) Now that she knows the truth, Bella asks more questions that are all about vampire mythology, but conveniently not about what Edward eats. But he tells her anyway. Edward and his family are vegetarian vampires, which means they don't drink people blood. But, like, he really wants to drink hers, but he definitely won't. They don't sleep in coffins, or at all, or burn up in the sun. But something else happens that they avoid showing people. None of this matters to Bella, though, which makes Edward kind of mad again, and he tells her it's a bad idea for them to be friends because he's dangerous. They soon pull up at Bella's house, and even though he literally was just saying that this is all a bad idea, he says he'll save her a seat at lunch at school the next day. (laughs) Bella stumbles inside, only just now feeling the shock of being accosted by the street toughs. She tells Smoke and Hot Billy Burke, slash Charlie, that she's tired, so she shambles up to take a shaky shower and goes to bed. As she's drifting off to sleep, she thinks about three things that are absolute positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and she didn't know how important that part might be, that thirsted for her blood. And third, she was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Edward picks Bella up for school the next day, and they talk about asking questions, but they don't really ask any. Luckily, Edward drives 1,000 miles per hour, so they are at school, which is approximately two miles away, in seven seconds. Look, I did a lot of math in this episode. I just want everyone to know that. This is accurate math. Since Edward picked Bella up, the rest of his siblings rode to school in Rosalie's ostentatious red BMW, so everyone's paying more attention to that than they are to Edward and Bella arriving together. 
Jessica sees, though, and they can both tell she is dying to find out exactly what happened the night before. Edward tells Bella that Jessica wants to know if they're dating and what Bella really thinks of him, and he's curious about that, too, so he's definitely going to be mind eavesdropping on their conversation. Rude. When Bella gets to chat with Jessica, she doesn't mention the street toughs and that she could have been molested and or murdered. Instead, she tells Jessica in the most boring and dull way possible that she, you know, oh, I just met up with Edward and, you know, he took me for dinner and uh, Jessica already knows this. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica asks if Bella likes likes Edward and if they're going out again and if they're going to kiss and Bella tells her about Edward offering to take her to Seattle and that they're probably not going to kiss because their relationship is like that and she probably likes likes him way more than you know he likes likes her <laughs> I like like that uh, paragraph you like like that one yeah at lunch when Bella is back with Edward who eats one bite of pizza instead of buying lots and lots of food and putting it directly into the trash they talk about her conversation with Jessica Edward doesn't agree with Bella's like-like thoughts. Then she talks about how he always sounds like he's trying to say goodbye. And he thinks this is perceptive, but it's the reason why she's wrong. If he can stay, then he likes, likes her more. Talk changes to spending the weekend together, but not in Seattle, probably because Edward has realized that it is literally eight hours away, but if he's driving a thousand miles an hour, then it probably will only take about three hours, but you can't discount the ferry ride, which is slow no matter what you do. I saw you working the math out in your brain there. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> was so funny. The ferry ride's like an hour. You can't do anything about that. Bella agrees to do whatever Edward with his liquid topaz eyes wants to do as long as she can drive her truck. Talk changes again to him going hunting and Bella wanting to watch. And he says, no. <laughs> no. I mean, sensible. Why, why would you no. want to watch that? No. Stop it. Watch a documentary, an animal documentary. Jeez safer oh <gasps> speaking of in biology Speak. they watch a movie which you know what would that even be uh, it's not going to be hunting david attenborough style i mean no what what, what movie you do you watch in biology in the year 2000 it's just Actually, it's a little bit later than the year 2000. But still, what what movie do you watch in biology? I don't understand. Mm. I can get it with, like, an English class. Yeah, English history. Even religious studies. Mm. I don't know. They didn't have YouTube. Did they have YouTube back in 2000? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. <sighs> I don't know. Mm. Interesting. Anywho, Bella doesn't know because she's hyperfixated on Edward. For some reason, being in the dark classroom makes them both feel, you know, supercharged with hormones. Mmm, teenage hormones in the dark. <laughs> but the class ends. <laughs> Edward gingerly strokes Bella's face and she goes off to gym class. She hits herself in the head with a badminton racket, which I can tell from personal experience, that sucks. It really hurts. 
And Mike tells her that he doesn't like that she's with Edward because he looks at her like, you know, she's something to eat. Which is definitely true. (laughs) 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 But not like any of Mike's business. The next day is pretty much the same, except Edward asks Bella a billion questions about her likes and dislikes. When they get back to Bella's house after school, Edward is upset to find out that Billy Black and Jacob are coming for a visit, so he speeds off as they drive up. Billy looks murderous, and Jacob is oblivious until Bella mentions who it was that just dropped her off. It's obvious that Billy Black has some feelings about the Cullens, which Jacob attributes to the old legends, and not the fact that Edward is a vampire. But Billy knows. Bella hopes that Billy won't say anything to her dad. And luckily he doesn't. The next day, Edward picks Bella up again and asks a billion more questions, but lets Bella know he won't be taking her home from school that day. He and Alice are going hunting, so he won't want to eat her when they're together the next day. So they're going to break into her house and steal her keys and truck to bring it to her. But of course, they don't see anything of that. <laughs> school goes well enough, though Mike is kind of a dick about Edward, but then it's over. Bella tells Smoke and Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that she's not going to go to Seattle the next day by herself. But she doesn't tell him what she's going to do or who she's doing it with. He offers to not go fishing with his pals, but, you know, that's just silly. No. No. You don't smoke and hot any birds like Charlie. Go fishing. No. See your pals. Go fishing. (sighs) Edward arrives early the next day, and they are accidentally dressed as twinsies in tan sweaters. They hop in Bella's truck and drive, but she doesn't know where they're headed. Edward directs her to the end of the road, where they get out and hike for five miles. Bella isn't a fan, but they eventually make it to a clearing in the mountains, where Edward strips off his sweater to reveal his sleeveless white button-down shirt that is unbuttoned, showing off his chest. His sparkling, glittery chest. Which is why vampires avoid the sun. Edward lounges sparklingly while Bella looks on. Then she gently strokes his face and breathes in his breath, making him go bonkers. (laughs) This is the skin of a killer, Bella! And his button-down shirt that he's wearing underneath is already open, and it doesn't have sleeves. (laughs) What the hell is this shirt? Oh, oh. oh dear me. <laughs> this is my 
my favorite part of the book, I think. <laughs> he took off his sweater and his shirt was already unbuttoned and it doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't. Sorry. Okay, time to be professional. Be professional. Before Bella can blink, Edward is across the clearing. Then he starts ripping up trees and throwing them and running around really fast to prove that he's a powerful manly. <laughs> then he rushes right back, inches away from Bella's face. They talk about how terrifying he is. And how, I'm sorry in that shirt, you're not terrifying. <laughs> and how Bella is afraid of him, but also afraid of losing him. He tries to explain how delicious her blood would be by comparing it to alcohol and heroin, which all 17-year-olds are intimately familiar with. (laughs) He talked to (laughs) Amit and Jasper to see if they had any similar experiences, and they did, but they ended with violent bloody deaths. So that's not great. Mm. Edward vows to never hurt Bella, declares that she's his life now, and then they say their famous lines about the lion falling in love with the lamb. What a stupid lamb. What a sick, masochistic lion. <laughs> After this heartfelt exchange, they gently stroke each other some more. And then Edward kisses Bella very sweetly. And she tries to eat his face. <laughs> <laughs> With every interaction, it seems Edward gets stronger and is able to touch Bella more. She's not nearly as in control, but she tries. Edward then puts Bella on his back and runs full-on vampire speed through the trees back to Bella's old, old truck. She's too drunk on Edward to drive home, so he gets behind the wheel. Oh, God. This is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) on the way back to her house Edward tells Bella his story about how he was born in 1901 and his family died of the Spanish flu in 1918 he was dying as well but Carlisle found him and turned him then he turned Esme next after she fell off a cliff she actually tried to end her life after she lost her baby and jumped from the cliff but we don't find that out at this exact moment Then Rosalie as a companion for Edward, but, you know, that didn't work out that way. And then she found Emmett, then Alice and Jasper found each other, and then they found the rest. Edward also explains that Alice can see the future, and that's how she found their family. She and Jasper had already decided not to eat people, which is really good of them. And then she had a vision of the Cullens, also not eating people. Brilliant. So they got together, and now they're a great big happy family, which is pretty rare for vampires. <laughs> when they get back to Bella's, they go inside, and Edward reveals that he's been coming to her house to watch her sleep pretty much every night. And she's just fine with that, uh, but she is embarrassed because she talks in her sleep. It's fine. Where's my best Soon, soon smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie comes home, and Edward disappears just in time. 
Bella rushes off to bed, making her dad think she's up to something, which she definitely is, because Edward is definitely in her room. It's that alcohol and heroin that all 17-year-olds apparently do. I know. I know. She's all hopped up on heroin. Yeah. Bella asks why Edward and his family don't eat people and about his mind reading and Alice's seeing the future. And he explains that Carlisle has a theory of humans taking their strongest traits with them when they become vampires. Most of the family is simple. Carlisle has compassion, Esme has love, Emmett has strength and Rosalie has tenacity. But Jasper, like Edward and Alice, has something a bit more special. He can control the mood of those around him because he was so charismatic in his human life. They talk for a long time and gently stroke each other and sometimes kind of kiss, which leads Bella into hinting about sex. But that's not going to be a thing because Edward would literally shatter her bones and then probably eat her. So then he hums her a lullaby and she finally goes to sleep. Can I just interject here? And this is going to become a thing as we continue discussing these books. Dude, let Bella get on top. Yes. You don't have to do anything. Yes, thank you. You can. You don't have to move. I mean, you probably should a little bit, but you don't have to touch her, except for with one part that's very important and probably sparkly. Wow. Side note. Should I be admitting this, especially because I know my mother's listening? Mm, no. Yes. Yes. No? Yes, no. I remember when the movies came out, there was a adult toy made. Oh. There was one for Edward and there was one for Jacob. And I remember the Ed one, Edward one was like white and sparkly and you refrigerated it. <laughs> <laughs> was Jacob's really like offensively reddish in color and you put it in the microwave i genuinely can't remember because it felt really inappropriate to know it's dreadful the jacob one like he is definitely underage whereas you know edward's 100 years old so it's fine he's only underage for a little bit longer Mm -hmm. still no actually i'm pretty sure he's 15 right now yeah yeah. <clears throat> it's it's Stop wrong. About let's that, just let's everyone. just say it's wrong. So yes. Edward is a hundred, <clears throat> that's fine. Moving on. Please move on. Move on now. The next day, Edward takes Bella to meet his family. She's terrified, of course, but not because she thinks they're going to eat her, but instead because she thinks they won't like her. They drive out to his house and it's open and light and beautiful and not filled with coffins at yeah. all. Carlisle, Esme, Alice, and Jasper are perfectly lovely, but Rosalie and Emmett are nowhere to be found, apparently because Rosalie is upset with Bella for being a human who likes a vampire. Alice, Edward, and Carlisle have a silent conversation about some wandering vampires that they might encounter in the future, and then Edward plays some piano, then shows Bella around the house. They stop outside Carlisle's study where he has a giant cross that his father carved in the 1600s. When Carlisle was a young human, he was a vampire hunter, which unfortunately stopped after he turned, so he was not a vampire vampire hunter yet. 
they go into his office where Edward tells Carlyle's life story. How he was changed, how he didn't want to eat people, how he tried to kill himself but couldn't, how he became a vegetarian, how he studied medicine and became the stunningly handsome doctor he is today. They also briefly mention his time with a group of vampires in Italy, but they couldn't get with the vegetarian lifestyle, so Carlisle left for America. More on those later. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to do the arrow laugh? (laughs) Oh, that's going to be obsessive during that episode. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. As they continue the house tour and head to Edward's room, they get back around to Carlisle turning him. He mentions that he ran off on his own for a little while and ate evildoers, and then he came back to Carlisle and his family and has been with them ever since. They talk about music in Edward's room, and then, while we do not get the hang on tight spider monkey line from the movie, Edward does pretend to attack and eat Bella. But then Alice and Jasper come in and ask Edward to play baseball. Edward takes Bella home and is angry to find Billy Black and Jacob there again. Do they not have their own homes? Billy is very upset at Bella being with Edward but can't exactly say out loud. And Bella tells Billy in not so many words that she knows that the Cullens are vampires and to leave her alone about it. Jeez. Jeez, They drop off some fish and leave. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is excited about eating the fish for dinner but he's not so excited when Bella tells him that her boyfriend Edward Cullen is coming to pick her up and officially meet him. That doesn't go badly at all and they're leaving a monster jeep to drive up the mountains to play a vampire baseball. (laughs) Vampire baseball is pretty much exactly like regular baseball except it's very spread out and very fast and super massive black hole by muse is playing all the time in the background yes thumbs the walls <laughs> the game goes well until alice sees that the wandering vampires are approaching and they are approaching right now mm. They scramble to kind of conceal Bella's humanness, but it doesn't really work. The three vampires, Laurent, James, and Victoria, try to insert themselves into the baseball game and then immediately want to eat Bella after the wind blows her hair and her delicious human scent wafts around the field. When Edward growls and steps in to protect her, James gets angry. They manage to split up while Carlisle tries to smooth things over, but Edward reads in James's mind that he's a tracker and he wants to kill Bella just for funsies. <gasps> Edward, Bella, Emmett and Alice leave to try to come up with a plan to get Bella as far away as possible so James can't get to her. She insists that she has to go home because that's exactly where James is going to track her and when he gets there, he's going to find smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and eat him. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. She comes up with a plan that kind of makes sense to lure him away from her house, so that's what they do. Bella pretends that she doesn't want to live in Forks anymore, so she yells at her dad and says she's going back to home to Phoenix. She packs up a bag and storms out to her truck where Edward is secretly waiting on the drive off. 
They go immediately to the Cullens' house, where Esme switches clothes with Bella, and she and Rosalie take her truck to trick James into following them anywhere but to Phoenix. Bella leaves with Alice and Jasper to actually go to Phoenix because they think that James will think that that was just a ruse. Edward, Carlisle, and Emmett will follow behind James and try to kill him, while Esme and Rosalie will return to Forks to keep an eye on smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. It all goes really well until it doesn't. Mm. Ugh. Bella, Alice, and Jasper drive to Phoenix and plan to stay near the airport because Edward will eventually be flying there to meet them back, meet back up with them. Bella calls her mom's house to leave a message to call her as soon as possible because she knows that smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is going to call Renee and she needs to keep her from coming back to Phoenix. Since this is the early 2000s and not everyone has cell phones, people would call their own answering messages to check for messages. Just in case you didn't know that. Google people. Yes. Wow, this is a historical text. Calling your own answering machine to leave yourself a message or to check your messages is just so retro yeah. while they're in the hotel room Alice has a vision of James going to a ballet studio that Bella recognizes from her childhood and you guessed it it's right here in Phoenix <laughs> Bella soon gets a phone call from her frantic mother but then James is on the line <gasps> While he was running around all over the place being chased by Edward, Emmett, and Carlisle, Victoria went to Forks High School to check Bella's records and learned where she lived in Phoenix with her mom and told James. And now he's there with Renee holding her hostage. Oops, that's terrible. James directs Bella to give Alice and Jasper the slip and meet him at, you guessed it, the ballet studio. Edward calls around this time too to tell Alice that James got away and that he's coming to Phoenix to get Bella and run, so they go to the airport to wait for him to arrive. This is the perfect opportunity for Bella to escape. She asks Jasper to take her to the bathroom in the airport and sneaks out another entrance, hops on a hotel shuttle bus, catches a cab and heads to the ballet studio. When she gets there, she hears her mother shouting for her, but it turns out that James got out the VCR and the home movies and has just been playing recordings of Renee's voice. She's not there at all, and in fact is still probably in Jacksonville with Phil watching a baseball game. Dang. James must really love home movies because then he gets out of camcorder and starts filming his torture of Bella. He wants her to beg for Edward to come save her and to avenge her imminent death, which he will find to be a good time, but she doesn't play along. James explains that the Cullens have thwarted him once before. He once chased Alice all over the place, but then she was locked up in a mental institution in the 1920s for her visions. A vampire found her and cared for her, much like Edward does for Bella, but when he realized that James was after Alice, he changed her into a vampire. James was no longer interested in Alice after that, so he killed her maker and left her alone. If only Edward had done the same with Bella. 
she wouldn't be in this predicament, nor would she be in nearly as much pain when James promptly kicks her across the room and into a mirror and then stomps on her leg to break it. Damn. Damn. Annabella is writhing in pain and about to give in to death, she sees an angel before her. But wait, that's not an angel. No, no, no. That's Edward and Carlisle and Alice. Oh, and Jasper and Hibbert are there too. And together they kill James. Oh, families kill, hey. they kill together, stay together. Aww. Bella is still in huge amounts of pain, but Carlisle sets her broken leg and gives her some morphine. She screams through the blinding pain that her hand is burning. It seems that James has bitten Bella. Rather than let Aww. the change happen to her, which is very painful indeed and lasts for days, Carlisle gives Edward the option of sucking out the venom. Alice hints that she's seen Bella as one of them, but Edward decides that's not happening and begins draining Bella's blood. Eventually, he removes all the venom and Bella passes out. Bella wakes in the hospital with Edward watching over her. Renee is there too, but currently out of the room. Edward explains that Jasper and Emmett killed James and burned down the dance studio while he, Alice, and Carlisle helped save her. Bella asks if Alice saw what James said on the video about her human life, and she did. Bella then asks Edward why he is there so she knows what story to tell her mom when she comes back to the room. Edward says that he, Carlisle, and Alice came to ask Bella to come back to Forks, so she agreed to go see them at their hotel where she promptly fell down the stairs and out a window. Apparently, Alice had a really good time figuring out the logistics of that fall. Everyone, please go directly to the Midnight Sun episode after you listen to this episode, because there's so, there's so much. (laughs) Such a good episode. When Renee gets back, Edward feigns sleep, and she begins to tell Bella how much she's going to love living in Florida, but Bella says she wants to stay in Forks because she has school, and smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie, and pointed look at Edward, friends. (laughs) Renee seems to understand, and then heads home for the night. Edward is confused about why Bella won't move to Florida. When she says he'd have to stay inside all the time, he says that she'd be moving without him. Oh, no, 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 no. That's panic-inducing. Bella freaks the shit out about Edward wanting to leave, but he says that's not true and swears he'll never leave her, which is later in the argument amended to that he will stay as long as it's what's best for her. What she thinks is best for her is becoming a vampire, but Edward won't do that to her. But she says she knows others, you know, like Alice, who have already seen her future. Futures can change, though. Some time passes, and Bella is back home in Forks. Edward helps her get out of the car, and they're both wearing fancy clothes, but Bella doesn't know what they're doing. They are obviously, 100% so obviously, going to prom, but she doesn't get it. They dance, 
because Edward doesn't want Bella to miss out on any human occasions because of him, but they're soon interrupted by Jacob Black, who is now over six feet tall, which has to be a miracle of science because it's only been a couple of months since Bella has seen him. And he's still 15. He has come on behalf of his father to ask Bella to not be with Edward and to tell her that they'll be watching. (laughs) (laughs) After Jacob leaves, Bella and Edward dance some more and then she reveals to him that she thought he had changed his mind and had gotten her all dressed up to change her into a vampire. He tells her again that he'll stay with her forever and when she says that's not enough, He bends down, brings his mouth to Bella's throat and kisses her gently. (laughs) It's not a black tie occasion, Bella. No. And Victoria is not there. No. Dressed up in her furs for prom. I mean, she might be. We just, you know, it's not in the book. No, it's just not there. It's not there in the book. And then Radiohead does not begin to play. No, the only time there's guaranteed music is Supermassive Black Hole during Vampire Baseball. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to watch the movie now. Yes, I feel like we need to take a movie break. Yeah. No, we have a discussion that has to take place. It's very, very important. Okay. Have you ever read a book and thought, wow, I would love to see this on the screen? Well, the Adapting Podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Emily Malik, host of the Adapting Podcast. And with a guest every episode, we take a look at books that have never been adapted, why that's so, and how we would go about translating it to a different medium. We talk about any novel from the serious to the downright silly, as long as it hasn't had an adaptation. So come and take a listen to the Adopt Me podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. I don't, I don't know. My sugar level is dropping. This is not going to be a good discussion. I don't know that we even, like need what are we going to do how are we going to discuss this how is this going to happen I don't know because there's so much just please see previous summary where we've interjected as well (laughs) corny lines terrible lines smoke and hot Billy Burke (laughs) so many things I, I do have something that is only book related okay. to discuss. The audiobook? <gasps> nah. Nah. Nah, nah the ma. audiobook. Nah. Nah, nah dog. To quote Jackson Ford, friend of fictional hangover, friend of the family. Nah dog. Nah. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not a good, not a good audiobook at all. There was no differentiation between characters. None. At all. And they had, like, no inflection. They had no feeling. They were just, like, they were just dead on the inside. 
on the outside. There was nothing. And it all went between. It was nothing. To, to quote Superfan Drew, what you doing, mate? <laughs> you know? Mate. 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 It's, it's nah. so boring. And do you know what? As I was listening to it, I was going, oh, I wish I had J.K. Abel in my ears. Oh. oh. Because Everyone Midnight Sun listen. was just Sun. Oh. delicious. You know, now I love Twilight. And I am not afraid at all to say that to anyone ever, all the time. Love the books. Love the movies. Went to midnight releases in costume, full glitter, ochre contact lenses, and everything. Okay? But this audiobook, man. (laughs) It was bad. But, let me just go back and say again, love this book. Yes. And then... You know, all the rest of the series, great, stellar, fantastic. Love them, even though they're actual garbage. Love them. But then there was the life and death gender swap version. Yes. Which I also loved. But, you know, it was like, it was like round two of writing Twilight. So it got a little better, except for it was weird and they all had terrible names. Yeah, but the but the, it the, ended. The, the redeeming feature was that Vampire Bella got shit done. Didn't beat around yeah. the bush. Just you know, right? Okay, human Edward, you know a vampire. Uh, Beaufort. <clears throat> Excuse me, his name is Beaufort. <sighs> I choose not to remember. <laughs> and then was it Edith? Her name was Edith, right? I can't remember. Edith. Edith and Beaufort. It's the it's the one I have like read the least because Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so but but that book it was good. Mine is the weird terrible terrible names. And then my friends time has passed and Midnight Sun is finally released. And like it's the third time. Third time's a charm. Third mm. time is the charm. The book was so much better. And it's almost exactly the same, except for that <laughs> that chapter about throwing cars across the interstate, <sighs> which again, everyone, so please go back and listen to the Midnight Sun episode. It was ludicrous and perfect. See, this is why I like them. I admit the series as a whole can be problematic there are aspects to it which are oh god ooh, oh it's, yeah it's not yep. the most well written of books stephanie meyer admits it was not organized but it's just a fun read like oh it's yeah and it, it helped reignite like the passion for vampire literature again and yes. that is not a bad thing no. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love the books. I love the movies. I love yep. the ridiculousness of it all. The audio book yes. will um well it's a thing. It exists. It's a thing. But yeah. 
that exists. Yeah. But mean, Midnight be... Sun, oh the audiobook for that one <gasps> with Jake Abel was mm. delicious. Mm. Like eating a hot bakery and good coffee at the same time. It's just mm. so yummy. Do you know Do you know what stand I'm gonna say standout moments for me are probably the bits that in some respects got left out of the movie. Mm, yeah. For example, uh Carlisle's background, his his backstory. Yes. That's not covered yes. in the movie, which is understandable. It would no. have killed the pace. <laughs> yeah. The hints the are there. Got... You see the giant cross on the stairs, but you don't get the story. <laughs> and the, the the painting with the Volturi. <laughs> and like, Carlisle's just standing there in the background. <laughs> I think he's got a button-down shirt his... on as well underneath all that. It's a frilly. It's, he's got a frilly. He's, he's got, got a frilly, but underneath shirt. that... He's got a sleeveless button-down shirt. <laughs> for you, for every vampire, every single... This is canon now. Every single Twilight vampire has underneath their regular clothing, like Superman wears a suit, any superhero. So if, in the event that they need to sparkle, they can take off the outer layer and underneath is a sleeveless button-down shirt. That's already unbuttoned. Yes, it's canon. It's already open. It's already it's open. It's just on like so a vest. Shine. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why was the shirt <laughs> sleeveless? <laughs> it's my favorite part. It's my favorite part of the entire book that he takes off the sweater and he's wearing a sleeveless button-down shirt and it's already somehow unbuttoned and he's just there glittering. I don't understand. Check out my sparkles. It's the skin of a killer, Bella. Sparkly and beautiful. Killers only wear open, sleeveless, button-down shirts. Killers only wear glitter. (laughs) (laughs) I hope everyone has noticed my cup, by the way, that I keep keep quietly holding up. It's the cup of a killer. It's the cup of a killer, Bella. (laughs) And then Bella's there. Oh, she's just so bored. That's so blurry. Do you see it? Do you see it? The wig's much it? better on their mind. Oh, can I point out, right, two things from, in, what? from the movie. I, two I'm sorry from the movie. for showing everyone my cup for so long. Right. I really want the chips that Bella gets in the cafe when she's eating with her dad. They look amazing. Sorry, fries. They just look chunky. and Yeah, chips. Know, what the fuck, man? Oh, my God. Yeah. They just look mm-hmm. amazing. They look like beer battered, yes. double fried. Mm, they look delicious. Also, yes. do you know when Bella goes to the Carlisle house and they're making Italiano for you, Bella? She's not even Italian. Why is Rosalie wearing gloves? It's so she can shatter that bowl and not cut her fingers. Oh, it's movie That is the ma- only reason. It should be sugar glass or something. It's movie magic. Should, it just it annoyed me. It, it vexed me. 
just yes do you know what vexed me going back to the movie you know that like drunk guy that's there and he's like maybe a hobo and everyone loves him and they call him butt crack santa (laughs) waylon and he gets murdered Mm. by you know laurent and james and victoria why why is he in the movie just why and why is the line butt crack santa in the movie i would ask you this amanda why not have the line butt crack santa (laughs) have you got uh, do you find it offensive do you not like butt crack santa i am i am offended (gasps) by butt crack santa I say this to you in rebuttal. Like, fuck you are. Re- rebuttal. I rebuttal. But. I rebuttal your butt crack. <laughs> no, I'm not at all offended by butt crack Santa. But just like, why? Do you know what I did love from, I'm pretty sure it's that same exact scene. Where they're at this restaurant and, you know, smoking hot Billy Burks, eating his burger and... Belle's eating her salad, and then there's like... Oh, that salad is so <laughs> offensive, by the way. Just... I know, it's dreadful. Yeah. But then Mike Newton is in the back, like, <laughs> out the side of the window, doing like a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> How his trousers, his jeans do not fall off, I don't know, but he's having a good wiggle. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Let's just say I decisions were made... And that's it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. What about the book? Is we're know- talking about the book. I know we are. I'm sorry. Oh, but God. really, the book and the movie are so very similar. There's yeah. only a couple of things that are not included or are added, but crack Santa. But they're so they're very similar. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's mainly the the background to the Cullens, like like we say, Carlisle's not there. And you don't find out in the movie about Alice was James's victim, right? And that she and doesn't that she doesn't any of humanity. she doesn't know she mm. doesn't know her human life, and her that was dreadful. She doesn't know her human life because she was locked in a dark room in an asylum. Yeah, and we all know the nineteen twenties asylums were horrible <sighs> places where people were basically tortured. That's not a good place to no. be. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So it's true. probably good that she doesn't remember her human life. It is good that she doesn't remember her but human life. It's just life. that bit yeah. of trivia, that little bit of information that really. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know what really. I'm going to say that, like, is part of the annoying aspect for me. I say annoying, but it's probably the wrong word. I hate the way that Bella is constantly being shot down by Rosalie mainly and Edward for her wanting to throw away her humanity. You know, she's made yeah. this decision. It's an informed decision to become a vampire. She's literally just been chased halfway over the country by a vampire, yet she's willing to give up her humanity to become a vampire and they just disrespect her and basically, no, you don't. No, that's not what you want. 
no, you don't want this. Yeah. You'll be a monster. Yeah. But they can't look around. I mean, I, Edward <sighs> can look around at his family and see goodness, you know? Mm-hmm. He sees love from um, Esme. He sees yeah. strength. He sees tenacity. He sees, you know... I mean, look at, look at like, Carlisle alone. I know. And Carlisle is amazing. Yes. And he, he can't see any good. He sees only a monster. And I think it's so massively disrespectful to disregard her choice to be turned into yes. a vampire. It's so annoying. Yes. And it's like the theme that continues throughout the series as well. But yeah, yeah it really vexes me how... That's the word of my the day for me. I think it vexes, it vexes me how Rosalie and Edward in particular, just just so disrespectful to to her wishes. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I don't know if it's vexing, to me. But uh, you is know, it Mike? is it Mike? He is vexing. Mike is vexing, but no. What I find vexing, it really, I, it just, it bothers me. You know how the Cullens can carry on conversations, like, while Bella's there. So they have to be speaking so quietly and so quickly, but they're having these conversations. And, like, Bella can see it. She can see, you know, it's it happens once in particular in the Cullen household, when Alice comes in and she's like, she mentions like, oh, there, there's vampires and they're coming. Mm-hmm. And like this whole conversation happens and Bella kind of picks up on it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what, what is happening? What are, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you caught that, didn't you? You caught that. You caught that, did you? So this is obviously a very quiet, very quick conversation. Why? Do Alice and Jasper not hear James on the phone telling Bella what to do? I don't know, and it's annoying. I agreed. One hundred percent agreed. Every time that scene comes up, I'm like, come on then. Come on. How do they not hear him talking? <sighs> they're like, he's like, go into the other room. I'm going to tell you exactly what to say. Which I really liked that, by the way. Mm-hmm. I liked James. I liked the fact that he had convinced Bella that he had kidnapped her mother mm-hmm. and was holding her hostage. But he was just playing tapes on the VCR. <laughs> Which Google is very clever, Google what and I love it. Yeah, Google a VCR. Do not call it a VHS player. You got to be you kidding me. No. Mm-mm. No. Or, anyway. Or, or Betamax player. Betamax. Yeah. Everyone Google that. But I, I really liked that. I liked the story. I liked James telling Bella what to do. I liked the way it was written. I liked, like, he's telling her, 
Say yes, say it now. Say mother, I'm like, please don't come, say it now. Go to the other room, do it now. I really, really liked that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, I really liked it. it but was, you it, cannot, cool. you can't tell me that they didn't hear that conversation on the phone. Or Alice didn't see it was going to happen or something, something. But going back to Vampire Baseball with Supermassive Black Hole playing in the background, they are having this huge baseball game and they are, it is described clearly that it is huge. They are very far apart. And there is a line like Esme gets the game started and she's just like, okay, let's play. And it's like, she says it in such a clear voice. And she's like, but I know that Edward, way, 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 way out in the outfield, heard it. Yeah. Because they're vampires, they got vampire hearing, but they can't hear a voice on the other end of a phone. Next by technology, no! Ah! It bothers me. That bothers me. Yeah, no, it bothers me as well. It's a clear mistake how did she not how did they not hear how did they not hear her talking on the phone it's It's bothersome it's vexing it really is is. it's vexing it's vexing we are vexed we are vexed vexed I tell you do you know what I like that's in the book and not in the movie what so Tyler is the one that nearly kills Bella and yes. Edward has to use his super strength to push the van out of the way. And Tyler yes. spends pretty much the entirety of the school year like <laughs> trying to apologise to Bella and everybody's like, just leave it, man. Just leave it. He's like, I know how to apologise to you. I'll take you to prom. And no one dissuades him from this. Like, literally no one. And in the book, she gets ready at the Carlisle house for prom and they're on the way to prom and she's like oh i'm going to be turned and he's like it's you know being turned is not a black tie event like is this really what you thought was going to happen no, no we're going to prom no. and then he gets a call from smoking hot billy burke slash charlie yes and he's like tyler's gonna pick him up pick bella up from the swan house for prom and edward's like dude she's 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 nah. no no. Nah, dog. Never. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. It's not happening. She, Can I just... she has prior engagements with me. I just love that. It just continues all the way through to the end. It's like, Tyler, you're an absolute doofus. Yeah, man. Can I just... I just want to say it out loud so I don't forget. Ooh, say it out loud. Say it. Say it. Sorry. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Out loud. Do it. Say it. Um, what I want to say out loud to me, this is a note to me for editing purposes. I want to add in, because I have it saved, I have Jackson Ford saying, nah dog. I want to add that into this episode so much in the editing when people go and listen to the episode. So if you're not watching it, you're going to get a, you're going to get Jackson Ford. Sorry, Jackson. Sorry, Jackson Ford. I'm going to add you into this sorry. episode. You're not sorry. Don't apologize. <laughs> nah, nah, dog. dog. 
Nah, dog. Nah, I have dog. that clip saved to the desktop of my computer, and I just open it and play it sometimes. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. <laughs> I love it. Note to self, edit Jackson Ford into this episode. Nah, dog. And does that count as an appearance so you can take one off on his scorecard? <laughs> yes. Oh, he's going to hate it. <laughs> but we won't. Is there anything else we need to discuss? I feel like it's twilight. Like it's twilight. It's twilight. Can I ask about Robert Pattinson and Kirsten Stewart's casting? I know I know we're talking a lot about the movies, but the mo- book we and are. the movie is so intertwined, which is the why we did the would you rather question on social media that we did. Yes, yes. That it, it just it, teasing the part can be, you know, difficult. But it, when when the Twilight movies came out, did you go, "Oh my god, that's perfect casting," or did you do you find any of the characters weren't quite right? Um, I didn't honestly, really have much apart- visibility of Kristen Stewart beforehand. Didn't really know who no. she was. No, she. I mean, she was in a couple of things as a kid. She was in. Um, she was in the movie Panic Room, which I remember her from. Um, also because that character has diabetes, so obviously, <laughs> diabetes, diabetes in fiction, diabetes in literature, diabetes in movies, makes me really happy. So I knew her. I knew that she was a was a being, and I knew obviously Cedric Diggory, Robert Pattinson. Cedric Diggory. Yes, 1000%. Um so I I cannot remember when the movie came out like being, "Oh, that's Cedric Diggory." Or, you know, I I can't I can't remember. So, I don't know. No. I think I, for me, it's mainly like thinking about the Cullens as well, like Alice is pretty perfect for me and Jasper's yes. pretty perfect. I have issues yeah. with Rosalie purely because like the actress I can't remember her name it's gone out of my head is really she's smoking hot yeah and Rosalie is supposed to be smoking hot but maybe Rosalie is not smoking hot possibly because of the wigs I think it's the wigs the random wearing of gloves yes 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 I remember one of my friends back then was obsessed with the actor, is it Kaylin Lutz? Kaylin Lutz? Who plays Kellen Lutz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was Kellen obsessed Lutz. with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember thinking Carlyle and um, Esme look a bit older than they should, but also it makes sense that they've been aged up a little bit. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense that teenagers are yeah. a doctor and foster parents to a bunch of teenagers. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he is, Carlisle is a little bit older, but not like wildly old, like mid-twenties, gotta be. He's no Doogie Howser. No, that would have been weird. (laughs) That'd be super weird. Neil Patrick Harris, Carlisle Gullen. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, um, I think I was pretty pleased overall with the casting. Um, although, you know, they were like 40. 
like all of them, 40-year-old teenagers, which is weird. No, 30. They were probably 30-year-old teenagers. But anyway, and that's fine because that happened in Saved by the Bell. We've talked about 30-year-old teenagers in many, many episodes, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. But still, we've talked about this. Um, but no, I feel like I was fine with the casting. Um, what I found vexing from the movie is that it had like a blue filter on. The movie was very blue. Yeah. I don't, why? I mean, was it to make it look more dreary in the fall? I don't know. I don't know. And can I just tell everyone that it doesn't rain like that in the Pacific Northwest. It's more of a drizzle, a constant drizzle. It's not sheeting rain. Well, to be fair, I'm, I'm in the UK where everybody thinks that for every hour of every day all we do is have rain right yes apart from one day yeah when all the shorts come out the maxi dresses come out and the roofs come off the convertibles no actually we do have dry days and we do have sunny days so you know as a person who's a victim of weather stereotyping (laughs) i can appreciate and understand that it's it's been misinterpreted in the movie but it is so blue <laughs> you like the weather stereotype that didn't you i love that you're a victim of weather stereotyping <laughs> that bo- that bothers me well, as, being as a, victim a person of weather who, stereotyping being a victim of weather stereotyping bothers me because like when I moved from Arkansas to live in Seattle for a while, everyone was like, it's just rain. It's just rain all the time. It's just rain. You're just going to go and you're going to enjoy. You liking the rain? You liking the rain? That's not. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. It bothers me. I'm sorry. But anyway, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about weather victimization. <laughs> weather stereotype victimization we're talking about that. <laughs> but, but that did bother me and it did bother me that um I'm pretty sure it's been you know said out loud that Stephanie Meyer never actually went to Forks yeah and she just found a place that was you know cloudy most of the time cloudy and rainy most of the time but like that's not the rain that's not the rain that happens it's not heavy 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 downpours all the time but it also bothers me all of this like we're going to seattle for the day like that is not a day trip that's like me saying i'm going to london for the day if if that happens i have to leave at like five o'clock in the morning to get the train and that's a three and a half hour journey yeah, it's not a thing. And then get the train back at stupid o'clock. Yeah, no, that's not a trip no. that a teenager makes by herself. Also, you don't go to Seattle like by yourself unless you know what you're doing. That's you. Charlie just kind of like he tries to put up this protest, like no, don't go, don't go, don't do this, don't go back to Phoenix. And she's like, no, I'm going. I'm 17 and I can do this. I'm going to go and drive for three days to phoenix and they're like really you're a police officer arrest her (laughs) (laughs) arrest your daughter for parent abandonment 
just arrest her. Just arrest her. Just arrest and be like, no, her. You've got you've got guns and handcuffs. Arrest your yeah, daughter you do. so she doesn't run away. Of course, he's smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. You know, just just no, don't do it. Just, just oh. don't give driving licenses to teenagers and they'll stop running off to Arizona. Oh. <laughs> God. oh dear me can I ask you you can ask me who's your favorite character oh oh even though she's not proven herself so much in this one it's always going to be Alice so let's just you know put that in there copy and paste it always Alice to every single one Um, always Alice yes Alice but in this one it's got to be smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie as well (laughs) I agree MVP and in the movie as well yes Charlie's the MVP definitely definitely always um actually I really liked Carlisle a lot in this one too yeah yeah. I like Carlisle. I like that we get his story. And I'm pretty sure... Well, I don't know. I don't know if we've talked about this a lot. Um, but I really... <clears throat> I really enjoy characters' backstories. Mm-hmm. I really like learning histories about characters that we love. Um, so, spoiler alert, everyone. This is why uh, Eclipse is my favorite book and movie. Because we get some background of our of our favorite characters. We know... We get stories. Yeah. And I really, really like that. Which is also why I enjoyed Midnight Sun. Mm-hmm. It's also why, like, Half-Blood Prince is my favorite of the Harry Potter series. Like, we just get backstories. We get backstories to characters. And I really, really like that. So I liked Carlisle. Because we got a lot of Carlisle's backstory in this one. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's nice to get that attachment to the character, isn't it? Like yes. They're not just a yeah. they're not just a, a a random person who helps move the story along. They've got a purpose and a meaning behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I did love Alice. Always love Alice. I dressed up as Alice for every movie release. Loved Alice. Like I had. Not because of her, because of the movie, but, like, that is what my hair looked like. I flipped it out. Like, I loved, loved Alice. I like the fact that... Loved Ashley Green in the movies. And I do love the fact that in the movie, you see Alice jump onto James and twist his head off before throwing it into the flames. Yes. Yes. That was brilliant. Yes. I did not love... In future movies, when Edward claims that he killed James, he was he was not he did not kill him. No, he was nowhere. He beat him up good and proper. He did, yeah, because he got there first. <laughs> Please see Midnight Sun <laughs> for him getting there faster than everyone else. <laughs> And throwing cards across the interstate. Please please go and watch it. Read, sorry. Listen. Read Midnight (gasps) Sun. Listen to Midnight Sun and listen to that Midnight Sun episode because damn. Such a good episode. It's so fun. Yes. I have a question for you, Amanda. 
Yes. Do you actually have any surprises? Because I think at this point we've no. watched them and read them that much. Is there no. a surprise? No. The only surprise I have is that it took us this long to talk about them on the podcast. I feel like we've waited for the perfect moment. We have. Isn't it like the 10-year anniversary of the movie or something? Or this... Maybe. Oh, I... as, much, as much math as I did for this one. <laughs> you think I would have... It's not 2013. 2013 is not a 10-year anniversary. I'm sure there is. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Shall we do what you are that I think it's time? I think we should because I don't know what math. I don't know what math is happening right now. No. But yes. Sparkly pew. Yes. Sparkly pew. Sparkly pew 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 pew. Just imagine the video. We asked on social media, would you rather read Twilight or watch Twilight? We got so many comments. So set them, people. So. On Facebook, 60% of you are reading it. On Instagram, 78% of you are watching it. On Twitter, 75% are watching Twilight. And on TikTok, 68% are watching Twilight. The Facebook yes. might be a little skewed because it's a book club that gets the poll. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Brie on Facebook. After reading it more recently, I would rather rewatch at least the first movie. The movies are good adaptations of the books and I appreciate the changes they made. I agree, Brie. Coral on Facebook says read it because everything is way different in my head and I would like to keep it that way. Constance on Facebook, I think I'd rather read it. I like how it plays out in my head, plus no bad wigs. <laughs> the wigs oh, the wigs <laughs> Annie on Facebook says I haven't watched it since it first came out so I don't remember a lot other than my usual annoyance with Kristen Stewart no matter if it's movie or public appearance I'm always yelling at my screen stand up straight and stop fidgeting and hopefully, movie Edward isn't as creepy as fuck as book Edward. <laughs> Drew on Facebook said, I just love the movies. Not to rewatch them. I can sit down with an hour to watch the film. It takes a bit longer with the book. Vincent on Facebook said, Can I opt for C? Red hot pokers in my eyes instead. There's no option C. There's no option C this time. Emily on Facebook said, I was bored while reading the books, but the movies were serviceable from what I remember. Cindy on Facebook said, For the most part, I found the books better, though I did prefer the ending of the last movie, The Battle. Can I just tell everyone that, that Cindy is my mother and... One of my favorite memories of all times is us watching the movies together, especially Breaking Dawn Part 2. We will get to that. But that is one of my favorite memories. Yes. Colin on Facebook says, Well, as much as I'd rather shit in my hands and clap than do either of them, I'm sure as hell not going to read the accursed things. Watch them because they're on the background, because Claire's watching them while I sit on this other sofa reading comics and drinking whiskey. Mmm, whiskey. I want whiskey now, damn it. 
Also cheese. Did you know that apparently blue cheese goes really well with whiskey? My therapist told me that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you'll be pleased to know that Colin, this evening, watched Twilight with me. He did not have a whiskey, he did have a beer. And he was putting together his Warhammer 40k models. While I was on the sofa watching the movie, he was on the floor. That's shameful. My husband went with me, dressed up to midnight movie releases. Well, we didn't have the movie, movie, midnight movie releases. We didn't have that. And it's not really the... Unless it's like a convention or a special screening type thing, you don't really go dressed up. That's extremely American. You don't clap in the cinema either. Um, I hate that. Or on planes. Can Why I just say out loud? I hate that. Thank you. I hate it. I don't know. I hate and it. Don't clap on aeroplanes. Stupid. Stop Anywho, it. Stop clapping. But my husband did go to see all of the Twilight movies with me. And probably more than once as well because we have a cinema card. So he he will go and he will keep his mouth shut because I will buy him snacks while I enjoy the movie. Oh. Now I have to go L20... to <laughs> L20 Kev on Instagram said, reading is too hard and tiring for my brain. So I have two options if I want to read a book. Wait for a movie adaptation or wait until fictional hangover and read slash watch their story synopsis. I love that Thanks, you L20 Kev. that, L20 Kev. It was, that's probably my favorite comment. My favorite comment is so Crystal much. on Facebook who said, option D, clearly she's read the other comments, B, Twilight. <laughs> oh. Prince Kai Fanpod on Instagram said, read. The movies are fine, but a lot of the fun and joy between Bella and Edward is lost in the page to screen translation. Love that sepia filter, though. <laughs> It does. It goes from blue to sepia. It's it's very harsh in between. Smash good sepia. Yes. Movie one is very blue and movie two is very sepia. And you can even see it in my cup. <laughs> the inside of the cup, friends, is sepia. This is a this is a, a, a movie two cup. This is, sorry. I keep showing my cup to everyone. Because you're watching this episode. Because you can, because everyone gets to watch this one. It's special. <laughs> Linda LaFleur on Instagram. Neither for Twilight, though I may not know what I'm missing. I always rather read. It was interesting for me to finally grasp what my daughter would always rather watch. Definitely Wired. Mm. Author friend Kelly DeVos on Instagram says, Oh my gosh, read! The movie is great, though. And Rhonda with a book on Instagram said, watch, preferably with a friend who has the same ironic yet genuine love for it so we can lovingly heckle together. Which is our book fangers. Yes. Oh. (laughs) TikTok had some good ones this time, which were all in some way, shape, or form. Fuck no. Neither, neither, neither. Fuck no, neither, no, no, uh uh. All of them. (sighs) There were some good um, library comments as well. Yes. Yeah. 
I guess, watch the stupid thing. At least then I don't have to pay attention. There was one, though, that said read and watch. Still heart Twilight hashtag Team Edward. I like that, that was person. A good one. That person can come on the show. <laughs> yes. We had another good one. Watch just so I can see Baby R. Pats and Case do. Both great actors now. What a difference a good script slash source material makes. Point by <laughs> Mm, yes um there was another one watch it's much less of a time commitment and watch i can just set my brain to autopilot and zone out (laughs) i will say that when i wrote it on the board at work i did have to write there is no like you you there's no other option you have to read or watch Death is not an option because as I was writing it on the board, one of my coworkers goes, "Oh God, neither. I'm just gonna kill myself." <laughs> so I had to write, "Death is not an option." <laughs> oh my God, Twilight is is marmite, isn't it? Like you either love it or you hate it, or you hate love it, or you hate love it or love hate it. Hate love is important. Love hate hate love i just love it me too me too i don't know what and I was you know what pick, by the way not listen I, option e not listen to the not audience. listen <laughs> not listen um i i am going to choose movies i'm gonna choose movies i would rather watch them i watch them all the time yeah all the time they're always on in the background forever yeah every time i you know when you're just surfing through like netflix amazon and as soon as i see them there i'm like yeah okay i'm just gonna shove that on that's 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 happening yep happening yeah i'm gonna say watch yeah yeah i'm gonna say watch but in my head i've read them so i can fill in the character backstories in my head (sighs) yes so it still happens yeah that's fine it's just not on the screen yeah. <laughs> All right, next question. Would you rather have someone stare at you while you sleep or have someone constantly follow you around? I mean, it's creepy having someone just staring at you while you sleep. Mm. Are they consensual? Do I know this is happening? Mm. We haven't stipulated that. Do you know? Mm. That's tough. I'm. G- I feel like saying have someone constantly following you, just because then it's not an invasion of privacy within the house. Okay. If yeah, it's with consent, I feel like someone. <sighs> no, no, I'm gonna stick with a constant following you. Yeah, I feel like someone staring at me while I'm asleep, whether I know it or not, is creepy as fuck. So I'm going to have someone constantly follow me around. Having, I feel like just having someone stare at me while I'm asleep is so terrifying. I know. And, and then you wake up and you see them there and you're like, ah! Let, no, uh, no, I can't. I can't do it. You can follow me around. Well, do not mean- watch me sleep. If you, you know, you're lying in bed with your partner and, mm-hmm. you know, if you're asleep, 
and they can't sleep and they're just staring at you because they're thinking murderous thoughts because it's total jealousy because you right yeah if roles would reverse is exactly the same that's still creepy and you're married to that person or at least committed to that person or if you have a child and they come in and sneak into the room and they're just staring at you watching you sleep with their teddy bear and then suddenly you wake no. up i will admit to have gone oh fucking shit I. because that's happened no. to me on a few occasions no um something similar has i mean not with a child because uh, child child free by choice um there was one time I, I had fallen asleep, and this is when Jacob worked late, and there was one time I was asleep, and he came in, and it was so precious, and he was going to just give me a little smooch because he just got home. I woke up in a panic, screaming, ah, no, what, no, and he's like, it's me, it's me, it's me, no. It was terrifying. D- no, don't do it. No, don't, don't watch people while they sleep. Don't do it. No, don't. Creepy. No. Creepy, creepy, no. creepy. No, don't do it. Stop it. Next question. Stop it. Next question. Would you rather wrestle a bear or fight (laughs) a mountain lion? (sighs) You can have vampiric strength, dexterity, etc. Oh, thank you. You can Um, be sparkling vampire Amanda with your open, (sighs) button-down, sleeveless shirt. Thank you. That's what I'm wearing um, all times from now on. Um, I Look, I'm going to fight a bear. <gasps> I feel like mountain lions need to be protected. There's not a lot of them, so I'm going to wrestle a bear. Bears are, bears are cute and fluffy and have those adorable little ears, but they will take you down in one swipe. Yeah. They are badass. I'm going to go mountain lion. I'm going to save them. I mean, I'm just fighting them. They're endangered. I'm not necessarily going to kill it and eat it. I'm just going to have a fight. I'm just gonna, you, you know, Emmett-style wrestle of a mountain lion. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Next question. It's so bad. Ask it. You know so you want bad. it. <laughs> We're moving on to the movies now. Would you rather go to La Push, baby? It's La Push. <laughs> My favorite line, hands down, from the movie. Or hang on tight, spider monkey. <laughs> They're so bad. Oh my god. La push baby la push or La push baby it's la push. I'm gonna hang on tight spider monkey because it means Edward and no Mike. Oh yeah. No Mike is an important factor. <sighs> it's very important. I am gonna go to La Push baby. It's La Push. Because, man, La Push is fucking beautiful. In real life, I'm bringing in real life, I want to go to La Push. It's gorgeous. Fine, you have La Push, baby, La Push. With Mike. La Push, baby. I'll it's have La Push. the vampire and hang on like a spider monkey. <sighs> so it's terrible. 
Last question. Oh, gosh, what is it? Would you rather wear Alice's wig or Rosalie's <laughs> wig or Esme's wig from the movie? Oh, my you God, the wigs. They are the worst the wigs. wigs in all of Hollywood. They are the worst wigs. Um, I think Alice's is the least worst. <sighs> so I'm going to pick Alice's. I. Oh, Rosalie's. Rosalie's is the worst of the worst, terrible. I think. They're the worst. Oh, they're the worst. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Alice's wig. Also, because I just used to have that haircut, and I loved, I, I liked it. I'm gonna pick Esme's just because I'm gonna try being a redhead for a change. No, okay. Is it really red? Ugh, it's, I don't know. It changes colors. It's weird. It's just cheap. It's bad. It's it's terrible. It's it's like the kind that you go and get from the market, where they only accept yeah. cash only, and give you a dodgy change. Alright. No human hair involved. No, it's dreadful. They're all terrible. Let's move on. Move on from the wigs, because they're so, so bad. We're going to move on to favorite final thought quote. Damn. This is so And I just want to tell, tell everyone that I counted three things, and I'm going to keep up this tally throughout the rest of our discussion of this series. And it's going to get worse. But I counted. It's very, very important. Mm -hmm. The number of times certain words were said. Oh, is it La Push, baby? La Push. La Push, baby. It's La Push. No. I counted how many times some words were said. Grimace. <laughs> Was said 16 times. Okay, that's not too bad. Murmur. <laughs> was 46 times. Oh. And mutter. <laughs> okay. 50 times. What? Favorite final thought quote. Oh my mutter, gosh. 50 times. That's ridiculous. Murmur. 46 times. And grimace. 16 times. It's the murmur and the mutter alone. So bad. You know, those two numbers are insane already. It's bad. It is and it bad. it gets worse yes. as the series goes oh on. Oh my gosh. I want to break down book by book how many and then the new total. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen every time. Oh my gosh. Quote can wise. I share my favorite? Can I share mine first? Yes. My favorite. It's Twilight. Edward murmured. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I have a legitimate real quote. I like the night. Without the dark, we'd never see the stars. Oh. 
Also, he dazzled my <laughs> he he dazzled my eyes. <laughs> oh, that's so close to what I said. He dazzled my eyes. And then another one that I really, really liked. It was very, very obvious that Edward is a vampire. People can't smell blood. Those are my favorites. Okay, I'm going to give you some. What Just are yours? to counteract or to tie in, actually, sorry. Your, he dazzled my eyes. I, I pulled, do I dazzle you? Oh, God. What exactly are you worrying about? Well, um, hitting a tree, I gulped, and dying, and, and getting sick. Well done, <laughs> Bella, at having priorities. Very good. I decided as long as I'm going to hell, I might as well do it thoroughly. Which is just basically a motto. You, that's, that's something you could live by. It's very good. And the last one is because... My gorgeous darling husband, he of the I'm not going to watch Twilight, Twilight, I'm going to get drunk on whiskey, though he has seen Twilight many times. This line made it into his wedding speech. He also quoted Homer Simpson, but that's beside the point. You're exactly my brand of heroin. No! But yes. Oh yeah. Perfect. So, so perfect. There's like a million other quotes, but I'm not going to go into this. There's so many. There's so many quotes. And they all are murmur. And mutters. And mutter. Murmur. Should we, and grimace. Should we mutter and murmur our recommendations? Yes. If you like this, try this. What are you going to suggest? Well, I'm going to give credit to superfan Coral, who we mm. were messaging. And yeah. she sent me a picture of her book haul. And this was on the pile. And I was like, ooh, that looks fun. So I looked it up and I was like, yes, it does look fun. And it's Vamps Fresh Blood by Nicole Arend. So there's going to be some good ones. Welcome to Vamps, an elite academy in the Swiss Alps for the children of the wealthiest and powerful vampire families. Dylan is an outsider, a dampier, half vampire, half human, sent to Vamps to learn to nurture his vampire side. Thrown in at the deep end, he must embrace his fangs if he is to survive. But blood never lies, and there is something special in Dylan's veins that the others do not have. And as his powers grow, so does the target on his back. Oh, there you go. Sounds quite fun. Very. So it's probably Sounds more Vampire Academy appropriate in terms of recommendation, but it's got vampires in, and there's a school. So there's your hashtag tenuous it's link fine. slash hashtag obvious link. <laughs> What's your recommendation? 
Um, I am suggesting Blood Sucking Fiends by Christopher Moore. I thought it sounded fun. I haven't read it, but it sounds hilarious. And it, I, I don't know. I like it. Jody never asked to become a vampire. It's like the opposite. Because Isabella is begging to become a vampire. It's fine. Jody never asked to become a vampire. But when she wakes up under an alley dumpster with a badly burned arm, an aching neck, superhuman strength, and a distinctly Nosferatuan thirst, she realizes the decision has been made for her. I like Nosferatuan I don't need anything else. Thirst. That phrase, Nosferatuan thirst, has sold it to me. <sighs> Making the transition from 9 to 5 grind to an eternity of nocturnal prowlings is going to take some doing, however, and that's where C. Thomas Flood fits in. A would-be Kerouac from Incontinence, Indiana, Thomas to his friends, is biding his time night clerking and frozen turkey bowling in a San Francisco Safeway. I love all of that. But all that changes when a beautiful undead redhead walks through the door and proceeds to rock Tommy's life and afterlife in ways he's never imagined possible. <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. That might need it to be a vampire book club read. terrible and I love it. Yes. Do we have an appropriate spotlight? Or not? No, but we do could we? I don't know if we an... could after all of this delight. No, no. Um, but... We have one that I want to just start talking about now. Mm-hmm. I want to just start sneaking it into things. Because it could potentially happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Throwback by Maureen Goo. Ah. Just want to get it out there. Yeah. And it also just, it just it's, it's fun and I want us to talk about it. Throwback. A lot of fun. Being a first-generation Asian-American immigrant is hard. You know what's harder? Being the daughter of one. Samantha Kang has never gotten along with her mother, Priscilla, and has never understood her bougie, nightmare John Hughes high school expectations. After a huge fight between them, Sam is desperate to move forward, but instead finds herself thrown back, way back, in time. (laughs) To her shock, Sam finds herself back in high school in the 90s with a 17-year-old Priscilla. She's back in time in high school with her mom. Now this Gen Z girl must try to fit into an analog world. She's got the fashion down, but everything else is baffling. What is microfiche? (laughs) What's with the casual racism and misogyny? 
And why does it feel like Priscilla is someone she could actually be friends with? <sighs> Sam's blast to the past has her finding the right romance in the wrong time while questioning everything she thought she knew about her mom and herself. Will Sam figure out what she needs to do to fix things for her mom so that she can go back to a time she understands? I just really want to read it. I really want to talk about it. But there's also some high school stuff, and it's fine, so it's kind of a tenuous link. I don't know. I just want to talk about it. That's amazing. I just want to talk about it. I don't know. That sounds way fun. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. Our first Twilight episode. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Heartstopper, Volume 3, by Alice Oseman. Heartstopper. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook, which everyone, you can join us. There's enough time for you to read this book, watch this episode, and join us for our book club chat. Vampire book club. It's so much fun. So be sure to watch this episode because you can watch it. Watch this one. I'm Sorry, getting the impression you can watch everyone. this episode. I just want everyone to join us for, for book club. It's going to be a ton of fun. Anyway. What else? Book club monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Also do that. Go and give us money. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. <laughs> everyone to watch our episodes. I just want everyone to do all of those things. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>